Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up, it's time for Tech Talk, powered by Supply Chain Now. Uh, hey, good hey afternoon, there. Corinne. Good afternoon. It's good to see you, Scott. You as so well. So excited today for our live stream discussion here on Tech Talk which of course is hosted on the one and only supply chain now. And I get the benefit of having Scott with me today. So Scott, thanks for joining in. Hey, I like tagging along. I've got my notepad ready to go to learn from you and our wonderful guest. And I think our, all of our attendees and, and, and community members are really going to enjoy the conversation we've got teed up today. Very timely topic and an outstanding leader uh, that's going to be sharing her perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the um, the folks at Red Wing Shoe have one of the best sales and operations planning processes I've seen, and they've continued to evolve it over time. So I think that that's a real differentiator here. And as Mallory Dosdall, who's our guest today, is going to tell us a little bit about how they've built their process, how they've refined it over time, and really the instrumental role that it, it plays in coordinating activities across their, their company today. You know, but I, I think... You know, some of our guests or some of our audience may not know Red Wing. Maybe we should talk a little bit about who Red Wing Shoe is. Agreed. And and, and by the way, going back to what you shared, you, you've seen a lot of leadership teams and, and, and yep. how they plan, how they execute on the best laid plans. So that compliment, Corinne, is quite a mm. quite a, a big one. It really is, but it's well deserved. The team has really earned it. They've, um, you know, they've evolved from a very foundational view of sales and operations planning. They moved from a really manual process into a fairly automated and interactive process, and they put different touch points into place to make sure that that executive team and the brand owner teams were really bought into the process. So I'll let Mal tell us more about that today as we as we go on. But but just a little bit about Red Wing Shoe. So I think I might have shared with you, Scott, this was one of the coolest plant visits I've ever done, right? The right. smell of leather is everywhere, right? <laughs> and, you know, their manufacturing team are really artisans. A lot of their product is still manufactured by hand and the skill and care that's put into it is just amazing. Most people know the Red Wing shoe brand around kind of those purpose-built footwear that's used, whether you're in manufacturing or construction or the oil and gas industry, um, you would find their products everywhere from from the Mideast, you know, in the oil fields, right down to the Midwest in the middle of the cornfield. So good protective footwear, 
that actually become family heirlooms. A lot of people have them resold over and over and over again. Right. Well, I'll tell you, one thing folks may connect with Red Wing is roller skating. I grew mm. up in Aiken, South Carolina, visited the Red Wing Rollerway uh, every weekend. <laughs> was, was a huge roller skating nerd. I played Pac-Man and, and a few others on the side nice. while I ate some pizza. Nice. So, so that semen in my brain, and, and I, I doubt there's any affiliation between that, and but that semen in my brain, the Red Wing, uh, and put them on, on my radar early, early in life. So fo- gotcha. some, folks, <laughs> some folks may make that connection. Uh, and we've got a slew of folks uh, signing in, so we're going to say hello to a few of them here momentarily. But um, so what? So we're you know a ton of feedback uh, on mm. an earlier episode, Corinne, because this even though you and Mallory I think have known each other for a while, uh, really a lot of the feedback you got on one of your last episodes is what kind of helped tee up today's conversation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a prior episode on Tech Talk that is around sales and operations planning and inventory optimization and what that what that executive team needs to know and understand about those topics and how they're related together. We got so much feedback on that topic that I thought this would be a great opportunity to just dive into how one company is using the process of sales and operations planning to drive better decisions and to keep their team all on the same page as they sense and respond changes in market conditions. And as we know, there have been a variety of changes in market conditions. So Mm. we'll we'll hear more about that. But if our listeners want to go back and listen to a prior episode of Tech Talk, it's episode number four. And it talks about sales and operations planning and inventory optimization. Wonderful. And we'll see if we can't drop that link in the comments, make it easy for folks. On that note, can I say hello to a few folks, Corinne? Please, please. Outstanding. Want to say hello to Peter Bole. Says Tech Talk Live and in person. Great to be here. Let the learning begin. Love that, Peter. And by the way, we published a great episode with Peter. Peter spent 25 years at Air Canada. And yep. we we could just, you know, get the top of the iceberg in an hour or so with him. But uh, he always brings it in his live streams. And it was great to really need to share some of his perspective earlier today. Kavan is with us, back with us. He's always alive and well on these live streams. Great to see you, Kavan. Paula joining from Kansas City. And I think we've got a weather update from here from her momentarily. We'd love to know what's the weather like in other next to the parts of the world. Susan is with us via LinkedIn. Great to have you here, Susan. I think I saw Gary Smith uh, sneak in. Paula says, weather's very windy. But 70, <laughs> 70 degrees, better than the cold and snow of a couple of weeks ago. I think our guests can relate to that perhaps. Peter says it's five degrees Celsius, Celsius in Montreal. Okay. I get out my protractor and work out that what that means in Fahrenheit. <laughs> so Clay, of course, behind the scenes, we got Clay and Natalie and Amanda making it happen, really engaging. And if you uh, if you're big into Twitter, check out Natalie is going to be live tweeting for us over on the supply chain now handle. Gary is with us from New York. I wonder what the weather's like up there. David, we've got a great episode. We'll be re- releasing with David, who, who has done a lot of work in the manufacturing sector. Ah. He's got some neat, neat ass POV to share there very soon. So, Corinne, are we ready to welcome? I I want to talk about one thing before we bring Mallory in on the topic of sales and operations planning. I just want to take a moment to recognize the passing of a true pioneer. Mm. Many of you will know the name Tom Wallace. Tom Wallace passed away on March 4th, and he spent really 35 years of his career 
focused on sales and operations planning and business performance improvement. And he's literally touched the lives and careers of tens of thousands around the world. And he was instrumental in my own career and my own understanding and foundation of sales and operations planning. He's authored a number of books and I just wanted to take a moment and just recognize his passing and extend my condolences to Tom's family and friends and just let them know that, you know, his hard work, his passion made a lasting impact on me and, uh, and so many others. So I just, just wanted to um, share that with our community before we got started. Well, thank you for that. Condolences, prayers, best wishes to the Wallace family. It's really, uh, I love hearing the huge impact. I mean, he, it, mm-hmm. from what I've gathered together, he's, he, he was legendary and he touched he the lives of so many folks. And, you know, so in these tougher times, it's really neat to see that legacy come just shining through and, and hopefully in a very uplifting manner. So all the best to the Wallace family during these these tough times. Okay, on a much, much lighter note, I want to say hello to just a few more folks before we bring in our guests here today. Azalea is with us, and I t- talk about a f- breath of fresh air. Y'all, y'all got to check out her interview we did. She was dropping, I think I had three t-shirt-isms from that conversation, so y'all check that out. She's wonderful. Sushmita, hello. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, we got lots of weather updates. The weather is a it's it's a popular it's that time topic. of year. Yeah, it's always it's that time of year. It always reminds me of that of that little scene from Annie Griffith, where Floyd the barber and Annie Griffith sitting on a bench, and one of them says the other, "We always talk about the weather, but no one does anything about it." And they were trying to figure out who to <laughs> attribute that quote to. We'll see. We'll see. Well, someone I'm sure can find it. But nevertheless, thanks so much for joining us. Let's. Welcome in, Corinne. You do the honors, please. Okay, please. I, it's it's my pleasure to have the opportunity, really, to introduce our community to Mallory Dowsdall. Mallory has been working on sales and operations planning for more than 10 years. And she's got tremendous manufacturing and supply chain and demand forecasting experience. And I think you're going to love hearing what they've done, some of the challenges, and some of the success that they've been able to drive for, uh, for Red Wing Shoe Company. So let's bring her in. Get let's ready for the swoosh. <laughs> All right, Mallory, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing this morning or afternoon, I should say? Absolutely. It's so good to have you here. It's good um, to be so here. Thanks. thanks so much for joining us. And uh, hey, Mal, tell our audience just a little bit about who you are, where you're located, you know, and, and what you do day in and day out. Yeah, so I'm located um, in Red Wing, Minnesota, so I can empathize with our friends in Kansas City. We had a nice little day yesterday of warm weather, but cold is back today for the rest of the week, so you get those little snippets. But I've been with Red Wing Shoe Company for about 15 years now. Started off, you know, looking at our retail analytics and then moved over into demand planning. And over the course of the last 10 years, became the the global manager of our demand planning team, as well as the manager of our PSYOP. So I know we we talk a lot about SNOP, uh, Red Wing Shoe Company added in the I uh, for inventory, uh, because we did, we found we were talking about it all the time. And it is a huge portion of business. So um, I'll talk a little bit about why we changed the naming, but we do call it PSYOP at Red Wing Shoe. Yep. And, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, Mallory. So whether whether you call it sales and operations planning, which is probably the most common term used around the world, 
or SIOP. So what, what Mallory is saying is SIOP, Sales Inventory and Operations Planning. Or some of you may refer to it as Integrated Business Planning. All of these touch everything from market demand through production and sourcing right out to customer delivery and performance. So that full process um, of bringing the information and all the demand signals and supply signals together. So why did you guys insert I or, or excuse me, I inside sales and operations planning? What was the, the motivator there? Yeah. So, you know, before um, we kind of reinvented the SIOP process, we did have an SNOP process. Mm -hmm. It was a meeting of about 40 to 50 people in a room mm -hmm. talking through numbers that were six weeks old. We were in a new fiscal month and we were just rehashing the past and no decisions were really made, if you will. And at that point, we decided we needed to reinvent. So one of the ways to reinvent is to take a look at what was working, what wasn't working, and we changed the name. So it had a new context, new connotation, new expectations, new deliverables, and we called it SIOP. Also, we, you have SOP, which is Standard Operating Procedure, and mm -hmm. it was confused a little bit with that too. So by adding and changing that name, the expectations, the connotation, and the acceptance came with that. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, branding is so is so important in making these programs successful. So I think as you know, as people look at that and look at their organization, think about what's necessary in order to get that buy-in across your business. Yeah, I think that's important. I think one other thing I heard Mallory say is how what was in place prior, no decisions were getting made. Yep. You know, and that's a big sign of trouble, right? When folks aren't willing to make decisions based on a number of factors, including lack of really good information, right? And lack of good data. Mal speak to that for a second, because it seems like I think operational excellence can be fueled oftentimes by operational confidence. And when you have a really mm -hmm. strong PSYOP or IBF initiative or element to your how you execute, that really it's got to make you a lot more confident to make even the, the tougher decisions, right? Yeah. And it all comes down to data as you know, a lot of us know. So about 10 years ago, we did implement a new system. We implemented Legility to help us with our forecasting. We were doing everything in spreadsheets. I'm, I'm not even joking when I say it was 500 pages, you'd print off, you'd mm. manually go through, highlight what you wanted changed, give it back to someone and hope that they caught what you highlighted so they could change it in your in the ERP system. Um, we knew there had to be a better way. There had to be a way to to automate, to use you know algorithms and logic to help us drive um, our forecast going forward. So by implementing Logility and having you know the data real time live, able to make decisions, able to provide output, that was kind of the catalyst of morphing us into the SIA process. And again. By being grounded in accurate data, not just numbers with potential risks and formulas, but being grounded in, in the data that is correct and accurate, we were able to bring that and get the buy-in from the executive team and start that SIA process. So can I, Corinne, if I can, right on that last note, you ended with Mallory, 
getting that executive buy-in. You know, Sneha has a great question to that. Thoughts on making SNOP an executive meeting. Mm -hmm. Often I see that that can hinder getting the right inputs from people who work day in and day out in planning. So how was your team able to get that executive buy-in? It started actually from top down. We we had the buy-in of our CEO and president. And, you know, when you have that initial buy-in, the rest kind of falls into place. We did implement something a little bit different than most companies with our SIAP process. You know, the standard would be you get the consensus on the forecast. You look at your capacity constraints um, with supply chain. And then demand and supply come together and resolve potentially any issues. And then you have the executive review where you do make those decisions. Early on in the probably the nine, 10 years ago, we would get all the way to that executive forecast or the executive SIOP meeting, SIOP 4, and we would be discussing the forecast. It was either too high or it was too low, or how do you think you're going to get there? And many times it was not approved. So we didn't even get to the heart of what the decisions were that we needed to make. Mm. So taking a step back and looking at what could we do as an organization to utilize everyone's time efficiently, we implemented a little mini, if you will, forecast review. Um, So it's after, you know, the brands and the presidents of the brands approve that demand signal, that forecast, we added a meeting with our president and our CFO some additional people on the executive team. And we talk just about the forecast. We make sure that we have buy-in and approval from the key players up front before we hand that forecast over to supply chain. So that way, when they are analyzing and they are looking at capacity constraints or impacts that may or may not um, allow us to deliver on that plan, they know it's been approved. Yeah. So a couple of things in there that I think are really important. The first thing I want to point out is, so Mallory talked about calling your process something that's going to be meaningful to your business. So SIOP was meaningful to their business and conveyed a change in decision-making and the format that was going to be used. But secondly, is to make sure that you're meeting the needs of the executive team. So I really praise the team at Red Wing for inserting this validation of market demand. Now, now, Mallory, for your business, this is really, really important because you're so tightly vertically integrated. Tell us a little bit about that. Some of our audience may not appreciate the additional pressure and visibility that that offers. Yeah, so... Red Wing Shoe Company, you know, as Scott mentioned, we're known for our shoes, our boots, but we also tan our own leather. So we have a tannery that's located about a mile from our Red Wing, Minnesota manufacturing facility. So we we tan that leather. It goes to our manufacturing facility where we manufacture product. And then we also have about 160 company owned. So we own Red Wing Shoe Stores. So when you look at from start to finish, it's all the way from tanning leather to selling from brick and mortar, as well as e-commerce, you know, to our consumers. So the fact that we have a SIOP process that incorporates our leather forecasting, it incorporates the footwear. We have a a plethora of accessories that help support, Mm -hmm. you know, those shoes, creams, the insoles, laces, 
And then, as Corinne mentioned, we are heavily in the oil and gas industry. So we have a personal protective line of workwear that we also forecast and sell more specifically into the oil and gas. Just so as people think about sales and operations planning in general, they usually are thinking about inside their four walls and they may be key raw material or key channel predictions. But Mallory and her team are really looking at the full process, the full, for some, which would be a multi-enterprise PSYOP process, they're able to bring that visibility together and really synchronize the activities so that they can serve customers well, right? A high service rate, but also do it with efficiency and cost-effective practices in place all along the supply chain. Yeah. Corinne, if I can, can I share a few comments from yes, our please. community here? We've got a couple of questions, but I'm share some comments first. Still lots about the weather. I love that weather and Gary's going bicycling. I know he's a big bicyclist. Love that. See, let's start with a question here. I, you alluded to this, but just to clarify, sounds like you, Simon asked, did you implement new solutions internally or use integrators? You Clearly, you mentioned Lagility. Any other resources you used externally to, to help make this, this happen? No, it was pretty much all internal. The system in bringing Lagility into the company uh, was kind of that tipping point. We needed something that would give us real live data. So we took an SNOP process that took about six weeks. So again, if you think about six weeks to run all the, the analysis, you're in the next calendar <laughs> month by right. the time you're talking about the previous. Um, <laughs> so we were able to, with a system, take what took six weeks down to about two weeks and two days. So now you're able to, to look at the data and make those decisions while it still matters. You still can impact it. Um, you can be tactical as well as strategic. Love that. Yeah. Hey, Scott, I would add that the um, the Red Wing Shoe team also did a lot about process education. So many of them went through APEX training and certification. They went through some sales and operations planning process kind of foundational training as well, and then evolved that as their actual PSYOP process evolved over time. So I really love that they took a comprehensive view of people, process, technology, data, as they started to tackle this, you know, this opportunity for the business. Wonderful. Very, sounds very holistic and seems like they really, from the outset, wanted to make sure it was sustainable you know, based on what you just shared there, which mm -hmm. is really important. Paula says accurate data uh, includes consistent data. Great point. Systems need to have fields with required entries so the responses are consistent and then measurable. Great stuff there, Paula. Let's see here. Rhonda, so you mentioned Excel. She says, I, oh my gosh, I remember creating my first Excel spreadsheet without any assistance, learning how to do formulas for startup <laughs> operations at a student recreation center. Took three days and several amends over the years. Now with technology automation, it's made operations so much more efficient and timely. Great point there, Rhonda. Dr. Bumpenza Zimmerman. Nick is with us today. Great to have you here, Nick Rumor. Uh, Kavan drops a bunch of hashtags, data, <laughs> expert, model, decision, implement, evaluate, and revise. Revise is a crucial one, right? Once It's not set it and forget it. It's set it and constantly make sure it, it's improving as the business continues to evolve. And then one more comment. 
see if I can track it down. I, it, you know, something hits and you try not to forget it. And, and uh, unfortunately, I think, well, I'll share this from Nick. He needs to get better at it, invest in the right digitalization. digitalization. That, and that's mm-hmm. a critical, that, that, that prefacing word, the right, right? Not just picking the, the shiniest object or, you know, but it's got to be a, the, the, the right fit for the business. Is, is that right, Mallory? Yeah, completely. And if you you take a look at you know that vertical integration that we talked about earlier, um, how we we use Legility and how you create um, that forecast is going to be very different. So if you think about a shoe, you have a size, a width, um, and a style. You know, you look at leather, you don't have any of that. It's just a different part number. So how you forecast and how you you execute, the system has to be able to support all aspects of your business. So you don't have to have specific technology for specific areas. So we were very fortunate um, when partnering with Legility that we were able to look at those different pieces of our organization and create a solution for each within one platform. Yeah. And on that note, so, so Mallory, tell us a little bit about the sales and operations planning process. Who actually participates in it? Who are the decision makers throughout that monthly um, cycle? Yeah, so first I would start by saying each year we review who's in each meeting because certainly we probably all have the sign, you know, I attended a, a meeting that could have been an email. We don't want that. You know, that's not the goal. The goal isn't just to sit there and report out information. It's to make decisions, it's to have the conversations, it's to have you know action items or takeaways, as well as accountability for follow-ups. So within that first SIOP meeting, the consensus of the forecast and approval, uh, we have multiple different SIOP ones. So each brand, you know, we talked about Red Wing, but we also manufacture Irish Sutter, uh, we manufacture the Vasque brand, and then we have a heritage line. So we have presidents for each of those different areas. So they ultimately have to sign off. They have to approve the forecast and the plan that we're putting together. As demand planners, it's our job to tell that story. You know, I like to say we're very numbers-driven, data-driven, but we also have to be really good storytellers Mm. is you have to get the buy-in and be able to explain at multiple levels of the organization what's happening. Why are we presenting the number we're presenting? So in that meeting, you're going to have your finance business partner, uh, your demand planner, uh, the president or sales of some sort. And then Red Wing is unique, but I think many companies are kind of going this way where demand planning and SNOP or SIOP is not in supply chain and it's not in sales. We're in what I like to call an unbiased business services department of Red Wing Shoe Company. So that department is really, you know, the department that that isn't selling and mm-hmm. they're not. Making. So we're unique in that way that we come at it from a what's best for the consumer, what's best for our customer without any preconceived notions. So within that SIAP one meeting, if you get, which we typically do, uh, consensus of that forecast, We then go to that intermediate PSYOP, I call it 1A, where we get the president and the CFO, you know, their approval of the forecast as well. And our VP of business services and um, our product creation team, 
is involved in that as their, again, unbiased um, viewpoint is needed and required. Let me interrupt you right there. So that, for our listeners, that is a unique step in the Red Wing process, but a very important step because that's getting the buy-in from that executive team early what the future view of market opportunity looks like. Mm. And then what we're doing from there on is starting to actually constrain that plan based about around what can be produced or sourced or moved to market. So tell us about that now. Yeah, so once we get the approval, supply chain is gonna go through a laundry list of things. Again, because we're so vertically integrated, we're gonna look at what is our ability to tan leather Do we have enough hides or sides coming in to support the demand plan? Constraints on logistics. I think we all can empathize with each other right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone bringing anything in to a port and the complexities and the challenges with rail containers, getting space on a vessel. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're looking at those constraints and the lead time impacts of that. You know, to manufacturing, as Corinne said, do we have enough people? Do we have enough raw material? Do we have too much? So really looking at all of those different pieces and putting together a comprehensive PSYOP 2 deck, if you will, um, which includes KPIs, as well as those conversations of where we do have risk to deliver the plan. And it's not just talking about, you know, here's the risk, it's coming up with recommendations and solutions. So you can have a risk, for example, using the ports right now, where we know it's taking longer. We know there is slowdowns, especially the West Coast now starting to impact the East Coast. So what are our options? Do you bring it in by air? Do you pay spot rates? You know, enlisting those out so that way when we do have those conversations at the executive level, we have recommendations. We have a recommendation from our logistics team as to here's what we would recommend and here's why. And sometimes it might be, We're just going to keep doing what we're doing because there isn't a better solution. Uh, And and there's not a business case for that change. There's not, you know, you're still maybe looking for the right signal, the right elements to to come into play to make a a different decision or or chart a different path. I think that's really important too. I think, uh, Corinne, you know, when, when what's, when it's working, I can think of some examples where folks may over, over pull levers and over uh, tinker with things. Have you seen that before, Corinne? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in supply chain, it's just as bad to to have, you know, too much as it is to have too little in, in most situations. So, yes. so it is important um, to to try to remove that bias, which is, is one of the things I like about um, Mallory's team being in this business services group. They, they are viewed as kind of an unbiased resource to the organization as a whole across brands. And now you mentioned a couple of the other brands, right? So those brands have different demand signals and different fashion quotients, if you will, to their portfolios as well. So it's not, they're not applying the same business rules across the whole portfolio of product that's offered. Mm. So Corinne, we had the best laid out plan to, to navigate all this great conversation and these experiences and, and insights from, from Mallory. I apologize. I might be bouncing around just a little bit, but if I can, and we can always go back, we can do whatever we want to do here, Corinne and Mallory and uh, to our community members. She mentioned the port there's, as she we did. all know, right. There, there's a, there's a ton of challenges on the West coast in particular, but as Mallory mentioned, it's catching up on the East coast. I think, uh, so I, 
I want to point to this great article I think was published yesterday, Dan Ronan with Transport Topics. And a lot of stuff in here, but but picking out a couple of things. So he was, of course, talking about port congestion and Peloton. Peloton is going to be a supply chain case study <laughs> for years to come. So, of course, it's exploded. He mentioned that Peloton more than doubled its subscriptions from 2019 to 2020, right? So a ton of demand. Hey, let's get those bikes cranked out and you name it, meet that demand. However, most of Peloton's equipment is made in Taiwan, right, up until here very recently. In fact, and of course, you, you bring stuff in from Taiwan, it's, it's going to be directly impacted with what's going on, on the West Coast. So much so that that was a big factor in Peloton's decision to purchase a gym equipment manufacturer in North Carolina, Precor, uh, which I think they announced a month or two months ago. Port of LA Executive Director Gene Soroka was quoted in this article saying that if they stop today accepting ships, I think there's 46 ships waiting just to enter. I can't mm -hmm. remember the geographic name for it, but ton of, of waiting. If they stopped bringing in cargo today, they still have a month of work ahead of them to clear what's already at the port, or in port. And unfortunately, many analysts, Corinne, clearly don't see a breakthrough anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mal, we were talking about this just the other day. G give us your perspective on some of the constraints and challenges, the container availability, and how you're serving customers. How is your, how is your PSYOP process helped you with yet another market challenge of something that's out of your control? Yeah. So I think the big thing is communication and transparency. You know, we, we're all facing the same challenges, the same complexities, and making sure that everyone is aware of what's happening and the impact to that is key. And that's from the executive team down to customer experience, who's taking those phone calls from customers wondering, where's my boot? Where's, you know, my product? I ordered it, you know, two weeks ago and it still isn't here. And helping and having the tools in place so that way they can see anticipated arrival and communicating once we do know where container, you know, X, mm -hmm. Y, Z is within that process. So that way we can not only let our customer know, but prioritize when they're coming in to our distribution centers, what has the highest level of need for customers today. So it's not first in necessarily first out. It's you're getting a bunch of stuff in, but let's prioritize how we unload those to make the best return uh, for our consumers or the biggest impact. But again, the transparency piece is key. So everyone is hearing the same thing, reading the same thing, and we're all, I don't want to say on the same ship together, no pun intended, but we are. We're all on that same ship and we're all in the same direction. I, I get it. I get it. So I think, you know, that proactive nature and that proactive communication also with the customers it's really big, um, but also keeping your team, the executive team there um, across the brands all on the same page as well. And to the point that you made very early in our discussion today, focused on making decisions, right? Not just being a recipient of reported information, but mm -hmm. um, your ability to provide options and then implement the decisions that get made. So let's, I want to share a couple of, we got some great comments here from our community members. So Rhonda, uh, you made a point earlier, supporting the data with actionable understands analysis is super important. Great perspective there from Rhonda. As Aaliyah says, communication models will have to become more like channels 
not stairways, as she says, as the utilization of data grows. To one individual, it's valueless, but a team can make it valuable to an entire organization. Excellent. Simon's got a, a future. I'm going to pose Simon's future-looking question to you maybe towards the end. Let's see here. About the ports, David says congestion is only going to get worse, not better, and especially with so many companies extending the inventory stocks that they are keeping on hand as a result of this. Most places are looking to start being less lean in favor of having material. Good point. Uh, the automotive companies are are notoriously considering that right this very hour. All right. So, Corinne, where are we going to go next with our guest, Mallory Dosdal with Red Wing Shoe Company? Well, I want to pick up on something Azalea said. Let's let's talk about measuring value. So, so Mallory, as you look at the process that um, is used across Red Wing Shoe, when you, you look at the investment and time and personnel around PSYOP, give us some examples of the value, why this has got great legs under it, why it's continued to evolve over time. Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, we took a six-week process, brought it down to two. So we're able to be actionable now um, versus rearview mirror. Implementing a system versus spreadsheets allows us to have measurable KPIs. You know, before, uh, I'll never forget our VP of supply chain printed out all 500 pages and on a plane ride overseas, he highlighted red, yellow, green from a forecast error and then counted up how many greens, yellows, and reds there were. Mm -hmm. Now, I love, love him dearly. I did have to tell him there's a conditional format that would have done that for him (laughs) um, to save him time, but that just goes to show you how manual everything was. So we were able to, again, with implementation of a software, create KPIs. So we're measuring our weighted MAPE. And we were able to improve that by about 40%. We're now looking at our safety stock, not just as X amount of days of forecast, but it's based on service level. Not everything is equal. You know, we want to make sure we have the right product for the consumer at the right time in the right location. So really looking at what is our core product and having that on hand versus those, you know, the 80-20, that 20% that you maybe don't need safety stock on. You know, a consumer is going to be okay waiting a week or two weeks for that. So reevaluating our safety stock position also allowed us to decrease our inventory, increase our turns while maintaining our service to our customer, which is key. You have to make sure that when you're creating those KPIs and you're you're looking at the performance of the company, it can't just be one or the other. They all mm-hmm. have to be in combination. Otherwise, you could end up impacting either your inventory position or your service to your customers um, as you know the extreme. Yeah, those are great examples. So I mean, you've de-risked the business, right? You've reduced the risk, and some of that risk is you know, is introduced in in managing the business on spreadsheets. So I, I think we have to, you know, do a shout out for that as well. But also understanding these trade-offs between the forecast accuracy, the inventory policies, and the supply priority um, around that is really important in the mix as well. And having prioritization on supply and where that's going to get deployed as a part of the mix. But Mallory, when you're doing this, when you're having these conversations, how do you make sure 
that the general manager of a brand is getting the information they need? How do, how do you make them feel like this is worth the time and effort to contribute to that PSYOP process? What are, what are the takeaways they look for? Yeah, so I think a big piece, again, goes back to executive level engagement. So it's not a question of if you attend the meeting, it's you will attend the meeting or you'll send someone as a representative in your place. There are times that, you know, if people are traveling, we'll reschedule, you know, a meeting if need be, if there's enough um, advance notice, but you have to attend. It is your responsibility, part of your job, no different than the demand planner needs to present the information and be ready to understand and tell that story. The president of the brand needs to be there to listen and bring insights. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with the sales organization? Um, Are we making sure we're incorporating the marketing initiatives that are happening? Is there something, you know, some promotion or sale that we're going to be offering? Did we land a new customer? All of those pieces, we make sure that we have alignment on. Mm -hmm. Some of the actions coming out are around the inventory piece. So if you think about the president, I can't sell inventory. Demand planning can't, supply chain can't, sales can. So we do talk about what's discontinued. What do we have access of? How are we going to move through that? Um, And what different distribution channels do we have as an option? You mentioned a variety of factors that can impact demand there. John D. Riser uh, is who submitted this question. Do you expect a boost? I think it's a neat question. With the coming $1,400 stimulus, do you see any boost there you think for shoes? Yeah. So our a great example of this is with our Irish Sutter brand. So if you think about the outdoor industry right now, we're all, well, I'll speak for myself. We're, we're still kind of quarantined and a lot of people are getting outside and enjoying, you know, what mother nature has to give. So hiking, and I know someone was going to go biking this afternoon. I'm a little jealous. Um, it's raining. <laughs> um, but if you look at that and you look at you know, the boating industry. You can't get a boat right now. So those hiking boots and those outdoor hunting boots um, or trail boots, those we see, you know, in potential increase in that. And as construction starts coming back and some of those, you know, stay at home orders are lifted, we do expect to see an increase with consumption um, or demand. Is it a direct correlation to that $1,400? Probably some, with the hunting and the outdoor. But then again, that stay at home is going to be an additional piece that we'll we'll see an increase on. Mm. Uh, Can I ask one more question, Corinne? I know we're kind of approaching our time. Uh, Simon asked a great question as we are approaching um, kind of some of the final things that that Mallory would share with our audience. But I found this question from Simon, so I get it right. So he he says it sounds like a very mature model you've got working at Red Wing. I agree. And Corinne, Thanks so much for bringing one of the shining examples of of how you do it right across industry because there's plenty of other examples. But as Simon asked, what's the next refinement? So what what is next, uh, Mallory? Yeah, so we've, I'm going to say, you know, we've successfully done footwear. Uh, We have a very robust process for our footwear. It is the biggest portion of our business. Last year, we implemented, I call them mini PSYOPs with our SB foot leather manufacturing facility and our accessories. 
So the goal and the next steps are to incorporate all of that. So we have one holistic look of our total company, incorporating potentially retail in the future as well. So what are the opportunities to look at forecasting front door, um, forecasting at a better level, the e-commerce piece. So that would be the next steps. So that way we have one deck that independent of who you are in the organization, you'll be able to read it. And it's either going to be for workwear or accessories, leather, footwear. That would be the next steps. Yeah. So, so Mallory, you guys have been at this now for a good 10 years. So what do you wish you would have known 10 years ago that you know now? Like what, if you could, if you could tell yourself 10 years ago, do this instead, or, or be sure to spend more time here, what would it be? Wow, that's a great question. I think, you know, hindsight always being 2020, I would have, we, we would have incorporated those other aspects of our business earlier on. You know, when you come up with a, a good process and then you try to add something um, after the fact, it become it's a little bit more difficult. So that would be one piece. And then I think the other is just making sure with turnover, um, as we all experience, that we have the communication with the new people coming in to explain, here's our process and learn from them. They could be bringing some great ideas that worked at their previous uh, place of employment and always constantly trying to evolve. You know, we sometimes get stuck in the day-to-day, the monotony of, you know, month over month over month, um, but always be looking for ways to improve, attending, you know, different conferences and maybe participating more in these types of conversations mm-hmm. would be something I would have told myself 10 years ago. Great. That's a great recommendation. Ton of interest and I, and, I, and ton of great questions. I know I wish we could get to all of them, but Saneha asked this one. Quick question. Have you seen shared metrics across teams help with ownership? Yeah. So our KPIs low all the way through each of our SIOP meetings. So the KPIs we have at demand consensus, uh, think excess inventory, discontinued inventory. We're talking about that at our SIOP 2 meeting um, with supply chain because discontinued inventory, excess inventory, it takes up space in a warehouse and it doesn't get better with age. It's not like fine wine. So we want to talk through that all the way to our executive meeting because we do have KPIs tied to our inventory cash flow excess discontinued is is a huge piece of that. So the shared KPIs and the transparency between business areas is key. And the more you talk about it, the more likely you are to get action. Hmm. Well said. You know, Corinne, we jumped right into this conversation and we didn't even get to know Matt. Y'all two go back a ways, but we didn't. We haven't referenced Emma or Riley or what Mallory <laughs> does when she's not uh, leading supply chains and planning and everything else. So, so Mallory, if you don't mind, before we let you go, can, can we uh, can we check in on a human level with you? What what when you're not doing all, all of this uh, in, in, these incredible things? Where do you spend your downtime? So Corinne knows this. Um, I love working out. Uh, that would be. My number one thing, I, you know, love to run, love to bike. It's been a little bit more difficult now with being quarantined, if you will, stay at home and working from home remotely. So I've been taking up gardening. Oh, 
three months of the year up in the north, but we had a great successful uh, vegetable garden this past summer and I learned how to can. So eating lots of spaghetti and pizza sauce and then just spending time with my dogs, uh, Emma and Riley and my husband, who's a huge fisherman. So getting out on the river with him is dogs super first. Dogs, dogs first. <laughs> and, husband. and big happy birthday to Riley, who I think is just celebrated her ninth birthday. Is that right? Yes, she did yesterday. Is she, is she the white lab or the brown lab? She's my black lab. Black lab. Sorry. Hunter. Yep. <laughs> okay. Love that. Corinne, we've, we've got a few extra minutes, but I, you know, I'll defer to our Super Bowl winning quarterback here. Corinne, what, what do we want to wrap with Mallory on? Yeah, Mallory, first of all, thanks so much for kind of sharing your hard-earned experience with us today. I'm sure you've inspired a number of folks already. If you could leave our community with one recommendation, one recommendation around sales and operations planning or PSYOP or integrated business planning, what would that one recommendation be? Yeah, the it's kind of twofold. One is if it's not working today, um, you know, reinvent it. And sometimes all it takes is just changing the name is what we found worked for us. But then that senior level engagement, you have to have that to be successful. Get with your executive team, get one person on that executive team to buy in and help sell the story. Bring people along with the process. Everyone will participate more if they feel like they're part of a team versus being told that they have to do something. So engagement, um, communication, and executive level um, oversight is is key. Love that. Do it with the team. Don't, don't do it to the team. Do it right. with the team. I love that, Corinne. Yeah, that's great. That, that I think that's very valuable. I think, though, the one thing that Mallory mentioned here about executive level commitment and engagement, that's critical. It's very, very difficult to drive a longstanding, resilient SNOP process from the bottom up. You've got to have that executive engagement and make sure that the numbers and the analysis that's presented is in a format that's meaningful to them. So get them involved in that process early and keep them involved throughout. Don't let them delegate that responsibility to others in the organization. Well said both Corinne there and that recap and Mallory and what you initially shared, you know, you mentioned storytelling and the power of storytelling. Mm. Sharky says it all starts with a story. hundred percent. I agree. And you know, storytelling has become, it's, it's like, it's made a resurgence. It's always been important. I'm not sure who we were talking to, but you know, the Vikings and, and the saga and how they passed down traditions and history <laughs> to right now. Right. And how brands are trying to tell a story. You're laughing, Corinne, but Hey, the Vikings look can tell a good story, but it's so important that regardless, you know, you don't have to be in sales for storytelling to be important. Operationally, it's really important as you are sharing. Um, as Aaliyah says, we need to have some shirts with all these great quotes. I agree with you as and going back to what, where'd it go? What Peter called out. Heard it here. Aging inventory does not get better with time. time. It's not wine, as Mallory said. I love that. Love that. It's not nearly as delicious as good wine, (laughs) Mallory. Such a pleasure. We're getting a lot of comments here that folks have enjoyed your perspective and expertise and and your experiences. Corinne, we're going to have to have Mallory back on. I think we're starting. I think I saw one comment about starting a Mallory Dosdall fan club. Hey, All right, I want to be a member of that. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that one. I'm a fan already, so you get to have a club now. to go with. <laughs> I'm converted. I'm converted. But Corinne, great, 
Thanks so much for teeing this up for us. Yeah, absolutely. Mal, thanks so much for being with us today. Wish you some sunshine and outdoor weather and, uh, and the gardening is new. So I'll have to hear more about that. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Valerie. Have a great day. Yeah. All right. So tell me, Scott, what's your takeaway from today's conversation? Oh, well, there's so many. I mean, there's so many and, and folks did a great job of capturing and you did. I love how you, you and Greg, both you hear it, you put it in, in ways that it really sticks with people in case you had happened to miss it the first time. But I think storytelling is really important. Uh, that's so important. It's one of my favorite things to talk about for sure. Leadership, of course, it just exudes from someone like Mallory uh, making decisions. It, it does. I mean, Corinne, I can't remember way back when. In one of those dinner meetings that you and I have both been in, rubber chicken and 127 slides, back when big data was just becoming a big deal. You remember that yeah. back in the we'll call it, we'll I call remember, it, yeah, 15 years ago, we'll call it maybe. And I remember someone saying, just because you, you know, so many companies are spending so much money on accumulating all this data, but they're not making any decisions with it. So it's, it's a lost investment. Now, that's again, that, that's an observation dating quite some time ago. But I love how Mallory really pointed that to that a part of her journey, where as there were, as as no one was making decisions, and it's almost like a it can be in those situations. I'm not saying it was for her, but it can be a, a rudderless ship, right? And 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 it can be even further challenged by times like we're seeing right this minute. So this is where effective and successful and data driven decision making and timely decision making is just so critical. Yeah, totally agree with you, and and I love how Mallory said, you need to tell a story. You need to look at the numbers, understand the scenarios and be able to communicate that effectively. And I think that that's really on us as supply chain professionals is to be able to understand um, what the market is telling us and what our company is capable of doing and help with those priorities and tell that story and look at continuous improvement. So there are lots of great learnings, I think, from what Red Wing has done. They adapted a process. You know, they started with a five-step five step SNOP process, which is a classic process, but they evolved that over time to engage their executive team. Very important. Get their buy-in early and then get their buy-in as the plan comes together across the organization. And I think that's a best practice that maybe some other companies might, might think about to get more traction. Well, on that note right there, I bet I bet Mallory and the team gets a ton of inquiries to share their experiences with folks that, you know, either they've have arrived at a good planning plateau, mm -hmm. we'll call it, and they want to kind of take it to the next step, or folks still struggling to get that element of their operations under control and if in under effective control. So Mallory's gonna she might have to hire an agent at this point, but let me let me share a couple of comments as we wrap. Uh, I like this one from Simon. I used to work at a wine company. The aged inventory was sold <laughs> to staff at one pound per box. Nice. And he says, yep, ripped label, damaged cork, end of bin, all high quality and sold. All was great. And we had so much fun <laughs> giving it uh, giving away. Uh, Peter says it's about getting past paralysis. Paralysis analysis. analysis. You got it, Peter. Yep. Come on. Data agreed. Data dri driven decision making. Also a growing field of research. And he would know he's working yeah. on his PhD. He is. Um, hey, hey, Scott, that reminds me. We've got an upcoming event also, right, around yeah. Industry 4.0. It might be a good time just to remind everybody of that. Thank you. Excellent, excellent segue. So, yeah, we invite you all to join us for this Industry 4.0 focused webinar, right? It's been around 
you know, four four is not around the corner. It's been in play for quite some time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Mike with SAP and Tobias with MHP Americas Inc. talk about some really powerful and creative applications that they've seen, especially in manufacturing. Join us on March twenty third. I think we're ready to uh, tee up for an eleven a.m. Eastern time kickoff, and we'd love to have you join us. Thanks for that reminder, Corinne. I completely forgot. We got the link. By the way, we got the link to join one click in the show notes. So we'd l- love to have y'all join us. All right, Corinne, we covered everything from dogs, Emma and Riley and Riley's birthday <laughs> to incredible planning, world-class. I mean, really world-class planning, wine, <laughs> you name it. We covered the game. Wine, so- leather, port closures, <laughs> all of the above. So all things supply chain right here on Supply Chain Now and Tech Talk. That's right. So a pleasure to do it. I'm going to let you sign us off, though. Okay. Hey, thank you. I know that's probably hard for you to do. It's like giving me the steering wheel for just a minute. Um, So Scott, thanks so much. I hope these insights today have helped to raise your IQ, your supply chain IQ, and maybe give you a couple of things to think about and consider in bringing more value to your company. If you want to look for some other valuable assets, I'm going to encourage you to go and look at supplychainnow.com. Tons and tons of great information there and other programs that are available to you. And while you're there, if you'll do me a favor, find Tech Talk, that's T-E-K-T-O-K, and subscribe. I don't want you to miss an episode. I want you to be with us on each and every one. So Scott, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for hosting Mallory Dostal with Red Wing Shoe today and diving into one of my favorite topics, which is sales and operations planning. Great opportunity to make a big impact on your business, whether it's top line growth or bottom line profitability. So thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.